Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome, Firefly, to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies. I am glad to see and hear that everyone enjoyed all the faith-based episodes as it pertains to mental health. You guys were like blowing up my DMs and the emails and just everything. Like, I'm really glad to see that that those episodes resonated with so many of you so I will make sure that I continue to do more of those episodes um, as it pertains to faith and mental health so I would really appreciate it if you guys can just send me a dm or an email and let me know what topics you guys are interested in me covering because that will help me create content that you guys want to hear. As I've stated before, the podcast is not about me. It truly is about the community. You all who listen and tune in week after week. Like I wouldn't have a podcast if I was just talking to myself. Well, technically as I'm recording, I am talking to myself. But when you all hear it, you know, I see, you know, the numbers gradually improving and I just see the podcast growing and I'm just really happy because you guys guess what the podcast has been going on for six months I am like so so happy because six months it may not seem like a long time but to me it's a long time in podcasting world when I've been producing an episode every single week I have not skipped one week because I want to make sure that I'm bringing you all the necessary information uh, that you need in order to educate people on mental health and what mental illness is. And so I'm extremely grateful and I'm really proud of myself. I, you know, pray that God continues to allow me to, you know, do this podcast and that you all just keep coming back and keep telling your friends about it and keep telling your family about it and keep sliding in my DMs and commenting and just the emails and I'm just really grateful you know because you I say it almost probably week after week you know this podcast came out of a really dark place and now that it has been six months I'm just you know hoping that I can just to continue to keep up with this work and you know there may be in the future where I may miss a week or something like that, but you know, I will always let you guys know and it will always be for a really good uh, good reason, um, like an emergency or something. But other than that, you know, I believe in staying consistent. I My goal is to um, let you guys know that, you know, this is something that I'm really passionate about. And this is something that, you know, I just desire to see people start to work toward healing. As I've stated, this podcast, I started this podcast because I was looking for my community. I heard podcasts from mental health professionals, but I desired to connect with my peers since I often felt isolated and as if no one understood. People would say like they understand, but their response and their actions let me know they had no clue to what I was dealing with. It was not until I connected with the National Alliance on Mental Illness and 
participated in the partial hospitalization program um, was when I found my tribe of people. Like, you know, everybody has their community. We all want to have a sense of belonging, a sense of community. That's when I really started to feel like, okay, there is hope. There is light at the end of the tunnel when I didn't even see any light, you know, not even one glimpse of light. Being a part of this mental health community has really blessed me in so many ways that I can't even begin to describe. I remember sitting in my therapist's office and being like extremely fearful and just a bit insecure because I was like, I don't want to, you know, use my, my communications and media background has always been used in the entertainment industry. And I just don't know if, you know, this, if I want to use my, my media and communication skills for mental health, because people are going to be like, why is this girl, you know, coming in here trying to, you know, educate people or do things about mental health. And she's not even a therapist. Just, I had all these things in my head and just, you know, being insecure about it. But to my surprise, it was the complete opposite. Therapists that I have met, social workers, uh, psychiatrists, any person that I have met who's a mental health professional, they have embraced me with open arms. They love the the perspective that the podcast provides and the perspective that I have, you know, bringing it to show people that, you know, recovery is possible if you have a mental illness. And so eventually, you know, that's what really led to the birth of the podcast, because like I said, I wanted that peer support. I'm, you know, again, even though, like I said, there are so many podcasts from mental health professionals from time and time again, for anyone who's new listening to the podcast, we do invite mental health professionals to come to the podcast to share their insight and their wealth of knowledge because at the end of the day uh, we need them to help us um, maneuver through life if you have a mental illness or if you're struggling um, or even if you're not struggling you just want to make sure you have healthy coping strategies and um, therapists are awesome and you know I've been working with mine for almost three years and I can say that my therapist has changed my life so Shout out to Dr. Tucker. I'm always shouting her out. But I just hope that, you know, if you're new, that you enjoy what you hear and that this episode makes you want to binge listen to like all the episodes and that you come back week after week. And so today we're going to talk about the connection between finance and mental health. Our finances or either the lack thereof finances can cause extreme amounts of stress. And if it's not managed, it can develop into an anxiety disorder or depression. And not to mention, y'all, we are in this social media era and everyone is all about securing the bag. Like, that's all you hear, securing the bag. Hashtag secure the bag. Hashtag securing the bag. Hashtag I'm, I'm securing the bag. Like, I'm all for people going after their dreams. But the question is, can money really bring you happiness? Can chasing money bring you true fulfillment? I'm from the school of thought and with my faith background or my, you know, my religion and the scripture that speaks to me and that has been my theme for all of 2018 is that my gift will make room for me. When I'm going after my dreams and I'm in alignment with my purpose, everything will come to me. The finances will come to me. The resources will come to me. The connections will come to me. I truly believe that. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't work a job to pay bills, because let's be clear, we all have bills out here. 
you you know there are times in our lives where we have to make sacrifices and we may have to work those dead end jobs just to kind of help us stay afloat and pay debt off i i totally get that y'all because i am in a transition in my life where i have been working to rebuild my finances and um working to you know figure out where i will be after i leave um after i leave liz's house and so for those who who this may be your episode liz is my friend who i actually moved in with about in october of last year in order to help me as i was starting to relapse so i moved in with my friends so i can really focus on my mental health and i have been doing extremely well so shout out to my awesome support system y'all this is my cardi b blow up here but anyway i digress i just wanted to let people know who may be new and so with me being in this transitional stage like i get it you know i have worked jobs to just pay the bills but i was so unhappy and so if you are in that space of just working a job to pay your bills then create an ex an exit strategy you know set goals and say okay maybe i'm going to work this job for six months or a year or two years however many you know however long you need to work it because i need to pay something off or because i want to save to start my business or because i want to save to buy a house like whatever those things are that you desire i understand we have to do sometimes do things that we don't want to do it you know again sacrifice but always create an exit strategy and not be too complacent you know we also live in this world where we where we see celebrities who seem to have everything they got the body that you want they got the money that you work want they have the fame they have the connections they're traveling they do all these things that you're like wow i would love to do those things but then when we hear about them dying by suicide we're like what like they had everything how, how why would they want to do that but at the end of the day, again, it goes back to that money does not bring you true fulfillment. Money does not bring you joy. It does not bring you happiness. And so there I can and I can attest to that because I'm in a space in my life, like I said, I'm rebuilding. And so with me having to rebuild and trying to figure out what my next steps are there are so many sacrifices there are so many things that I can't do you know I remember last year before I left my job I was making pretty uh decent I would say decent money not a whole lot but now that I decided that I want to launch my own that I wanted to launch my own business I've always wanted to be entrepreneurship but if for anyone who's an entrepreneur you know that starting your business is hard work like it like you have to make so many sacrifices financially you can't go as to many uh, day parties that you may want to go to those brunches you may not be able to travel as often like it's just really hard and that means that I have less financially during this season of my life but I find that I'm actually much more happier you know but at the same time it's my dream like it's always been my dream to own my own business it's always been my dream to be able to speak and to travel and to just you know really work to create the life that you know i desire the things that work best for me and so i can say that you know with one of the things or having less in the sense of me making the sacrifice to give up my apartment to move in with my friend y'all think i wanted to give up my apartment heck to the no you know, no, I did not. 
I, I loved my apartment. It was my sanctuary. I had my um, abstract orange wall that was in the living room because orange is my favorite color. Like, I loved it. It was truly my sanctuary. But I knew that in order for me to get better, I had to let something go. I had to stop working. I had to move out. You know, those things are things that I was like, no, I can't stop working. How am I going to pay my bills? No, I, I, you know, I need my apartment. Like, but... I had to put my pride aside and put my mental health first because at the end of the day, a house or an apartment is replaceable. My car is replaceable. A job is replaceable. But what is not replaceable is me. You know, my sanity, my mental health, like those things are not replaceable. And so I would tell you all to really be mindful of the things that you value because you cannot place so much value in other things or in external things that on the inside you're still empty there are instances you know where people will even spend money to fill voids i call it chasing carrots like when you get a new car and then the new car smell fades then you're off to looking to the next new thing it's almost like a drug it probably is a drug in the sense that you find yourself constantly chasing money and things to make you feel complete or whole and so today we are going to really dive into finances and money or securing the bag, whatever you want to call it, cheddar, bread, dinero, like whatever you want to call it. We're going to really dive into money and mental health. And so to help us with this episode, we are going to speak with America's money maven and financial expert, Patrice Washington of the Redefining Wealth podcast. Patrice is nothing short of amazing, y'all. I I love Patrice, but let me just go ahead and introduce her so we can get into this interview. Patrice is a nationally recognized best-selling author. She's a feature columnist, a television commentator, a transformational speaker, a spokesperson, a radio host, and leading authority on personal finance. Patrice is truly committed to redefining the term wealth encouraging women to have wealth in all areas of their life by pursuing their dreams and being fulfilled and earning more without ever chasing paper or without ever chasing money. Patrice's wisdom on money matters has been tapped as a reoccurring voice by national brands such as NBC, Fox News, Black Enterprise, The Huffington Post, Essence Magazine, and so many more. Patrice has been profiled by so many new um, outlets such as the New York Post, Success Magazine, Women of Wealth Magazine, and is known as the personal finance voice of the top-rated and nationally syndicated The Steve Harvey Morning Radio Show, where she hosts her weekly segment, Real Money Answers with Patrice Washington. Patrice, she is also the author of these three amazing books, including her bestseller, Real Money Answers for Every Woman, Real Money Answers, College Life and Beyond, and Real Money Answers for Men. Y'all, so without further ado, let's welcome Patrice to the Fireflies Unite podcast. So welcome, Patrice, to the Fireflies Unite podcast, where our mission is really to normalize the mental health conversation and to bring light into darkness. 
just like the firefly so i tell everyone it's not a podcast about um insects or science <laughs> got her beehive kia has her fireflies all right so that's that's how that's my story and i'm sticking to it <laughs> so the you know the brand was just really birthed out of a time where i was just in a really dark place and battling with my mental illness and it often let me you know feel like i was alone and like no one really understood me i was ashamed and i just felt like people would say that they understood but their actions and their the things that they said let me know that they really didn't understand mm. and so I just really want to thank you and appreciate, you know, I really appreciate you for taking time out of your super busy day to speak with me because for people who are listening to this podcast, Patrice and I has have been through a lot to get this because you are, you are on my bucket list of people to get on the podcast. And so that's how I know that what you are going to share is truly going to touch someone and you know that I'm an avid listener of the podcast. Like I'll be, I wait for, <laughs> I wait for twelve o'clock to come so I can refresh. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> thank you for that. Thank you, I appreciate that. Yes, of course. And so I, I know that you know, especially because I I know from listening to your podcast, and I've been fortunate to meet you in person. And like you know, you really are who you are like online and offline and not a lot of people you know are like that and I also know that you don't accept every single invitation so I truly do feel honored and you know mm. for the listeners who you know who may not know you know Patrice podcast teaches us how to live our life's purpose and find fulfillment and earn more without ever chasing money so I love that um so people may to make sure that they listen to it because Patrice podcast will change your life. And so, as I've said before, Patrice and I started, um, we connected on Twitter. And so we were Twitter friends and now I met her. And so I'm like, she's going to be my real friend. She just don't know it. <laughs> you know what though? That's why I said, yes, you did um, what I would do actually. And, and that was just build rapport and build relationship with the means that you had, which was Twitter, right? Like mm -hmm. a lot of times people just will make the ask or slide in your DMs and ask you for something. And it doesn't really feel genuine. It doesn't feel like they even understand what I really talk about or who I really am. They may have just seen me on something else and said, oh, she would be okay. But you don't really have a feel for it. And the reason I said yes, first of all, I love what you do. I love how you share your story so authentically and transparently. I love that you normalize the conversations around mental health, especially in communities of color. And I was really impressed with the fact that every week when an episode came out, you would tweet me a little something. You, 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 know, you would tweet a little quote or something. And I really pay attention to that because that means that you really do understand me not a brand, not, you know, just some podcast. Um, Redefining Wealth is is my baby, absolutely. But at the heart of it, it's me. It's me really just sharing my heart in the hopes that it'll help people live a better life. And so thank you for listening um, all the time, but also thank you for seeing me because I think that's what it comes down to. When I say no to people, yeah, there's usually a time constraint there, um, but there can always be a time constraint because life is busy. But it's really like, you don't see me. You see stuff in my bio that mm -hmm. sounds good. 
You know what I mean? Like, but you don't see my heart and you don't see me. And for that, I don't have time. (laughs) (laughs) That's real. (laughs) Yeah, no, it it is. It's so true. And, you know, because even though it's only been about, you know, six months for the podcast, like it has truly been taken off like wildfire in ways that I did not expect, especially because like I'm really building my brand from the the ground up, Mm -hmm. you know, before I started working or you know doing advocacy work for mental health I was working you know in production and public relations um and I supported you know different award shows like Black Girls Rock and the Soul Train Awards and so it was a transition for me to say like okay so God you want me to I'm still using my communications and my media skills but you want me to talk about mental health Mm-hmm. okay that's gonna be a little switch now the skills are the same it's just the topic is different and so right. I think that it caused to, you know, just kind of being obedient. And when you think of, you know, mental health, I thought it was really important for you to come on the podcast because speaking with you provides a a different angle than we've had on the podcast. Mm. And when you think of like a lack of resources or finances, people may not associate it with mental health challenges or someone actually being diagnosed with a mental illness, but you know, I can say from personal experience that when I was in the uh, episode right before my attempt, you know, and I got to the point where my anxiety was so bad to the point where I felt like I was having a heart attack and like I couldn't breathe. Mm -hmm. And it was in addition to being in a season of not being able to like, keep up with my bills. And I was in graduate school trying to get my master's. And so there was even research that showed that like, people who have, um, bipolar disorder sometimes one of their things is they go on shopping splurges when Mm -hmm. they are in a manic episode because it's not something that they can control and you know 86 percent of people who participated it was a money and mental health survey Mm -hmm. of like nearly i think it was 5500 people who actually did it and they said that their financial situation made their mental health problems worse and oh. so that shows that there's a link between mm-hmm. mental health and fight and you know the lack of resources or the lack of finances. And so financial difficulties are linked to things like low mood or feeling guilty, panic attacks or insomnia or even suicide ideation and self-harm. And so not to mention stress stress can't even cause a, a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And so as we see the lack of, of finances impact our overall health, and even for those who live in poverty or other marginalized communities, mental illness is even greater because they are struggling to stay day to day. And so one of the things I wanted to ask you about was like mental health something talked about when you were growing up? Absolutely not. Definitely not directly and not in a healthy way. Um, I think we've all been there when, you know, you have that one family member where you know something is going on, even as a kid. And everyone ignores it and kind of like, oh, you know, such and such is just crazy. But they, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of like it's said in a way where you think that they have some type of control over it and they're just making a choice to be difficult or to be annoying or to be aloof or any number of things um, or argumentative, you know, or whatever. And people just label everything. Uh, under crazy and then send it to the side. And so that's the type of household that I grew up in. Never had a, a a really direct conversation about it, but the way that I started to link 
mental health to money personally, this is well before I knew of any studies or any research around it, was when I was 22 years old um, and I had gotten started in real estate and was building a real estate and mortgage company at the time and got my first condo. And I went out of the country with a girlfriend. And while I was gone, my husband had, or now he's my husband. He Back then he was my boyfriend trying to be girl. He was trying to be my boyfriend. But um, <laughs> <back> then <laughs> I came back from that trip and he had decorated the entire place, like painted, made me a headboard, like literally decorated this place. Um, and it was beautiful. But I walked in and at first I was like, oh, kind of like tears of joy, you know, so happy, so in shock. But then I started to notice that he had blown up these really big pictures of me and frame them and put them all over the place. And what he didn't know was that I grew up uh, as a chocolate young woman in Los Angeles, California. I grew up taking long baths and trying to scrape the darkness off my skin as a little kid at six, seven, eight years old. I grew up always feeling very ugly because I was verbally abused by people in my family who told me that I was the ugly one, the dark one the thick lip one, uh, the big eyed one, all the things, you know, that they could say they did say on top of being teased at school for being too tall, too skinny, too this, too that. And so I was not used to at 22 years old, really seeing big pictures of myself or even really taking time to look at pictures of myself like that. And it overwhelmed me. And I just, I kind of lost it in that moment and ran outside and I was boohoo crying and my boyfriend at the time, now husband, didn't know what was going on. And so we decided that I should probably go talk to someone because it was bad for me. So I ended up going to therapy for about two and a half years. And Takiya, I was 25 years old before I could look at myself in the mirror without cringing, without wishing that I looked like someone else, without being really fast when I would look in the mirror because I would do just enough to like get ready, but I would never really admire. You know what I mean? I would never be like, girl, look at you. Look at you looking all good. You know, I never was that kind of person. It was, you know, just enough because I always found something wrong. And so therapy taught me a lot, mostly about how to forgive um, people who would never say I'm sorry and how to process the fact that people who were supposed to love me were the ones who hurt me but that hurt people hurt people, right? Mm -hmm. And so I did a lot of work in therapy and it really helped me flush out why I behaved the way I did as a young person. Sometimes I wasn't as nice as I wanted to be because I had that wall up. And other times it just led to unnecessary promiscuity because I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And so I did a lot of therapy and I always share that. I've shared that on the Redefining Wealth podcast and I share that from the stage now for one reason in particular, and that's because now because of what I do, now that I'm an author and my pictures are on every book or that I regularly do national television or speak on stages in front of hundreds and thousands of people, like now I think about the fact that I could have never walked into the call on my life or, you know, created the level of wealth I've been able to create had I not dealt with the trauma of my childhood. And for me, that's why I always try to make a connection for people with being mentally fit in their finances because 
when you don't deal with those traumas, when you sweep things under the rug, when you normalize how people abuse you, sometimes we only think about domestic abuse or, you know, physical abuse, but it's like, no, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, all of those things play a role and take a toll on you. And we like to think that, well, if I get another degree and I'll just go make more money, or if I um, get the raise or if I get the promotion, it's like, no, that's not it. You working yourself into the ground and running yourself into the ground, trying to get to, you know, the next raise, next promotion, the big house, whatever it is you say you want. It's like, that's not even what's going to get you there, sustain you. You need to deal with possibly some of the trauma that you haven't dealt with because it's trauma. It's not right. It's not normal. It's not okay. And I thank God that I had an opportunity early in my 20s to like really get a hold on that because I know that there are so many opportunities and so many um, doors that that I would have missed, windows of opportunity, I should say, that I would have missed because I would have been too scared to walk into the room, to make the proposal, to make the pitch, to get on the stage. To I would have been too scared because I was really great at playing in the background. Mm, you know what, Patrice? While you were talking, it literally brought me back to something that I went through. So growing up, I grew up in, people would say the projects or public housing, you know, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, my mom had me at 18. My dad looked 19. By the time my mom was 20, she had two kids. And so like, and over time, when my parents separated, my mom uh, with her, who she's with now, you know, he verbally and physically abused my mom. And so I remember just kind of watching my mom struggle when she like at a point where she wasn't working and she was like really uh, depressed. At the time, I didn't know that she was depressed because I was young, but looking back on it and one of the things that it taught me with kind of struggling, like I remember moments of like having the lights turned off or like the water uh, being turned off. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I did was I actually had a hard time spending money. So it was like, I, I felt like I, something that I worked through in therapy and continue to work through in therapy is not saying you have to splurge, but it's like, it could be something that's so small, like going to the movies. And it's like, I would feel guilty for spending money. Like, mm -hmm. so my issue was holding on to it because I was like, I don't know the next time I'm going to have money again. So I need to, yeah. I need to hold on to it. Um, I see and, that all the time. And people that you work with? Mm -hmm. When I would work with people one-on-one, -on -one, uh, when I used to counsel and coach people for a nonprofit down in Atlanta, I would see that all the time. And I would really stress the importance of balance for people because a lot of us, you know, our financial blueprints are created by what's modeled for us. So in my example, I saw my mom use a lot of credit cards. So I just thought credit cards were normal. Like that's a part of life. What do you need cash for? You can have credit cards. No one told me what happened after you swiped the credit card. I just was used to seeing credit cards make magic happen, you know? And I went to college and even though I majored in business and entrepreneurial studies and took finance classes and all that stuff, the truth is I still didn't really have a grasp because emotionally I just remembered that that's how my mom did it. And I just fell into doing it that way. And a lot of us will do exactly what we saw or a lot of fear of what we saw will cause us to do the exact opposite. And then you get people who maybe um, your parents were penny pinchers. So now no matter what, you're going to spend and be happy because you associate that with being, you know, sad or um, restrictive or whatever. 
And then you have people who are like, uh, you know, my parents weren't stable and didn't keep the lights on or didn't keep food on. So now I'm like super responsible and all I'm going to do is pay bills and never have any fun. Mm-hmm. And to me, neither one of those things are okay. Neither extreme is okay. You really want, I don't believe in deprivation, but I do believe in discipline. And the thing is, I think to live a, a disciplined and fulfilled life, you need to have some level of financial savvy just in terms of doing the basics, but you also need to enjoy your freaking life. Like I am not one of those personal finance experts who's like, don't get your hair done. Don't get your nails done. Don't go out. Don't, don't get lattes. Don't get, I just posted on my Instagram the other day when people say things like, um, you shouldn't be drinking lattes. Okay. Well, I wrote three books at Starbucks. I latteed my way to the bestsellers list. I don't care what you think about me drinking Starbucks or any coffee. Cause you know, they kind of on my list right now, but any coffee shop, I'm just saying it's not about being so restrictive and depriving yourself of everything. You still have to live your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And even just Going into, this is a perfect segue into talking about your amazing six pillars that everyone needs to live their life by, or as Tamar says, get your life. So can you really just talk about those pillars and how you came up with those pillars to actually (laughs) help people in their overall, uh, it's not even just financial, you know, wealth, but their overall like mental health. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the pillars came out of me really um, having this moment where, you know, I lost everything in the recession. I had built that real estate and mortgage company that I started out of college up to a seven-figure business. And at 25, 26 years old, the recession began. And I went from that seven-figure business to scraping up change. And I found myself in New Orleans in Metairie, Louisiana, actually, in a teeny tiny apartment after foreclosing on my 6,000 square foot house and my uh, matching Range Rovers were repossessed um, and lost several pieces of property, had to lay off my whole staff. Everything that could happen, happened. And it was one of the hardest times of my life. And I found myself in Metairie, uh, Louisiana, in that little apartment on the floor, on my knees with my forehead pressed to the linoleum just crying and bawling and saying like, God, why me? Like, what did I do? How did I get here? Like, I've tried to be good. I've tried to treat people well. I've done great business. Like, what in the world? How how did you let this happen to me? Because, you know, sometimes that's what we do. Mm -hmm. Question. (laughs) I heard a still small voice that told me to get my Bible. And I did. And it was, it was, I opened it and it was on Proverbs 17. 16 and the scripture said what good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom what good is money in the hands of a fool if they had no desire to seek wisdom and that's when it hit me that I had been really great at chasing money my whole life and doing the things that I thought would get me more money but I was not great at seeking wisdom Mm. and a part of where I was was because of the fact that I didn't seek wisdom. I didn't ask questions. I didn't look for mentorship. I didn't look for counseling or guidance. I thought I was invincible and could figure everything out on my own. Even though I call myself a believer, I still held myself personally responsible for figuring everything out, right? 
And that scripture really, it really did something for me. It, it really shifted my whole life. And I made a promise to God in that moment that when I was restored, I would do my part to go everywhere and tell everyone my good news, the good news that life is not about chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom. And so I was doing that for years. And then, uh, you know, I started speaking in small places and then the, the, the stages got larger. And then I started a little blog and then it turned into writing for Black Enterprise and Huffington Post and Sheen Magazine and all these other magazines and being featured in Essence and Cosmopolitan. And like, as things continue to grow, as I went from doing blog talk radio shows to being nationally syndicated on the Steve Harvey Morning Show every week, I started to fall into the trap of the little sound bites that sound cute. Like people ask me about finance stuff and I'd be like, you know, you just want a budget. Your budget got to equal. Here's credit bureaus. Here's this, here's that. And finally, a couple, about a year and a half ago now, the Holy Spirit said, what happened to what we talked about on the floor in the bathroom? You forgot that? You, for, you said that you would go everywhere and tell people the truth about wealth, that it's not about chasing money. It's about seeking wisdom. It's about understanding their purpose, like that they have to do some things. They have to do some work. Moreover, you're saying all these little cliches, and that's not what you do in your everyday life. You know what you do in your everyday life to have the success you have. So what you doing? Hold now. You don't want other people to have it? Not girl, I'm telling you, I was like, oh wait, no, I want everybody. <laughs> I want everybody to live their life's purpose. Well, wait a minute. Well, wait a minute. And I started to take inventory of what is the truth about all the stuff that I've done to take me from living on my brother's couch when I went from New Orleans to Atlanta in 2009, from living in my brother's couch in Buckhead, Atlanta to sitting on the couch on national television with Steve Harvey or Dr. Oz. Like, what did you do in between there to get where you are? And when I started to take inventory and write out all of the rituals, the practices, the habits, the resources, I started to look at the fact like, whoa, these are the things that have really gotten me to where I am. This is how I've been able to build wealth and not only build wealth financially, but have a sense of well-being and a sense of peace that the devil in hell is not about to take from me. Like not, not for sale on some by any means necessary type of stuff, you know? And I started to put them, categorize them. And that's where the six pillars of wealth were born. And um, do you want me to share some of them? Yes, please. Um, yeah. Of course, I love, would love for you to get into money um, as well as work and faith i think one of the, i think the ones that the ones when it comes to mental health is like relationships because mm -hmm. relationships can really impact someone's mental health and yeah. you don't you don't currently hear patrice i'm sitting here fighting back these tears because as you're talking i'm sitting here tearing up <laughs> <laughs> um and the the space uh pillar as well as the faith oh, pillar. girl okay well let, i'm gonna hit all of them and I will try to be mindful of the time. Um, so the first pillar is fit. And, and as we've already talked about, that mental fitness piece changed my life. And I think that that's where we have to start. Because wealth is, has nothing to do with money, has everything to do with us and our mindsets towards money. And that I believe wholeheartedly. And if anyone or anything has gotten into our mindset, and um, impacted how we think, what we believe about ourselves, about the world, about others, um, any of that stuff, 
it, nothing else is going to matter. You can have all the information in the world, but wisdom is knowing how to apply it. And when your mindset is not in the right place and is not necessarily healthy, it's very hard to apply even really great information. That's why so many of us struggle with the same goals over and over again. We know what the heck to do, but it's something going on on the inside that's preventing us from doing it. And for me, the very first pillar is fit. And it's about being physically fit and mentally fit. And what's physically fit, you know, Taki, I always say that I don't care about you being skinny. I want you to be healthy. Skinny ain't healthy. I've been skinny and totally unhealthy. Couldn't breathe, couldn't sleep, had low iron, low blood count. That skinny doesn't mean anything, but you need to be prepared. If you have a vision that God has given you, you have to be prepared and make sure that the vessel needed to execute the vision is ready. Because if you're trying to do big things and international speaking like I was in all this, God was like, well, you got to get around Atlanta a little better than this if you're trying to get on planes and go somewhere else. Hello? And I started to start to take better care of myself. And so that was a catalyst for really building wealth for me was, was really, it was a form of self-care, just being more intentional about how I took care of myself. Um, because that time that I spend in the gym or when I'm eating certain things or doing certain things or trying a new fitness class or something, I, I look in the mirror now and I'm like, girl, I'm proud of you. Not, not for what I look like physically, for the fact that I would not find time, but make time to make me a priority. And that's what I'm most proud of is that. So that's the fit pillar. Uh, the second pillar is people. And you are so right. People is all about creating relationships that matter. And I am firm believer that you are really the sum total of the people that you hang around. And in the people pillar, I am so big. I think you shared this on Twitter one day about just kind of disconnecting um, from a lot of the negativity out there. We, we, I don't know what this is where we feel like we have to be connected at all times and taking other people's negativity. Like I can't, if you have bad energy, you're just not allowed in my house. You can leave, you can, you're going to have to chat at the front door, but you're not allowed <laughs> past the threshold of, of my door because that stuff really matters. And for some of us, it's friends and family members. And sometimes what I talk about with the people pillar is how to get comfortable having those uncomfortable conversations, even with people you love, because they're the main ones sometimes where you just have to say no. You have to value you more and where you're going in life and just the peace and sanity that you need to maintain more than you want to keep or stay in relationship with people who are toxic and dysfunctional. And a lot of my success has really come from being okay with people thinking that I done changed. You know, when people say, oh, oh, you done did something, now you changed. I haven't changed because of any money. I've had money, lost money. I've been rich. I've been poor. I've been all of that and a bunch of something in between. I, don't, I haven't changed because of that. My changes come from knowing who I am and realizing that you don't deserve me. Mm. That we don't deserve to be in the same space at all times. Now, some family members, you got to deal with them at funerals, weddings, birthday parties, bar mitzvahs. I get it. At some point, you may have to run across them, but I also have learned how to prepare myself to deal with certain personalities, and that's intentional. I've, I've learned, I've, I literally have written scripts, like, I'm going to memorize this, 
And when auntie so-and-so or cousin such-and-such tries it, I'm going to say, and, and I will be ready because I'm intentional about maintaining my peace. You don't get my peace. Mm-hmm. And the more I stay in that place, you may know this from listening to the podcast that I was being harassed for, I'm still technically being harassed. You know, they come and go as they please, but it's been going on for like a year and a half. And I've never gone back and forth with this person in social media. I've never done it. Or even they've texted me before. I've never gone back and forth. For me in particular with social media, the lesson was once I was booked to to do a really big engagement with a huge company, the lesson was there's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you. Patrice, say that one time so the people in the back can hear you. (laughs) (laughs) There's always someone watching you who has the power to bless you, but who are they watching you be? And the problem with haters and enemies, like the the woman who was harassing me and and the ones in your life are that they're trying to disrupt, disrupt, excuse me, and distract and deter you from that vision or that peace, that vision of peace that you have for yourself. But the thing is, if you engage with them in their foolishness and someone else is looking on from a distance and they don't quite understand what it is, what's going on, they're just going to think that you're one of them. They're just going to think that that you don't have it together. And so instead of allowing people to take you over the edge and take you to a place you don't, before you do that, get them out of your life by any means necessary. You deserve peace. I don't care if that's a parent. You deserve peace. I love people, but it's okay to love them from a distance too. I love people for the loyalty, for the, oh, we grew up together for this and that. But you know what? Even sometimes loyalty has an expiration date and everybody that came with you can't go with you to the next level. It's okay when seasons are up to release people. That doesn't mean you have to cut ties. It doesn't mean you have to break off the relationship, but sometimes you have to untie yourself from other people's dysfunction. And in creating relationships that matter, for me, the more I untied myself from dysfunctional people, the more I had these divine appointments and connections with amazing people who could accept me for who I am and who wanted to walk with me on the journey to what's next instead of trying to drag me down to stay where they are. So the people pillar, super important. The third pillar is space and space is about setting up your life to support you. And in space, I really just talk about, you know, being organized, protecting the energy in your space. I really think that when your space is in order, it treats, it teaches people how to treat you. Because when your space is out of order, people do not care. If if your car is messy right now, when someone gets in with their little McDonald's bag, what is the first thing they do? They leave their cup, they leave their straw, they leave their bag. Because if your car is already filthy, they're just like, oh, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to add to the dysfunction. But when you're particular about your space, then people are like more aware. They start to go, oh, let me clean up behind myself. Let me, you know, she act funny. She don't, she don't like crumbs in her car. I sure don't. (laughs) I sure don't. I don't like your trash in my car. I sure don't. Or any space because every space that I dwell in is sacred. So I don't care if it's my house, my office, my car. I take care of my space like I take care of myself. I think it's a reflection of me. And you've heard me say this before. When we have a lot of clutter around us, I truly believe that clutter 
is the manifestation of chaos in our mind. And whenever we're not really clear about where we should go in an area in our life, you know, for some people it's work. So you, you feel stuck at work. You don't feel cherished. You don't feel valued. You don't feel appreciated. You want to move on, but you're not sure if you have what it takes to go somewhere else. Take a look around your office. Take a look around your cubicle. Take a look at your desk. Any area in your life that represents work. Is it cluttered? Because if it's cluttered, that's likely why you don't have any clarity around what you should do next. Anytime we find ourselves really stuck in an area, I guarantee you, you can look at some physical manifestation of it around you. And if you're willing to do the work and purge and clean it out and get rid of what no longer serves you, you will start to see so many answers will seem to just appear in that area and it'll guide you in the direction of what's next. But I always tell people money is currency. It likes to flow. It likes to flow. But if you have things jammed in the way, it gets backed up and backed up water is nasty. Have you ever smelled a backed up sore? It is disgusting. Any body of water, if you've ever smelled a backed up body of water, it is nasty. But money wants to flow. And it wants to flow to you. But a lot of times you have so much in the way that it can't get to you. And so in space, we talk about organizing, we talk about time management, we talk about beautifying your space and how do you lift the energy in your face when you're not in the best mood, how do you try to, you know, set the tone? Um, And then how do you teach people how to treat your space in particular? And then next is faith. And the faith pillar is about believing in something greater. And you know this about me, I am a believer, but I don't push my faith on anyone I always tell people whatever faith you believe in can you just like practice it (laughs) because I think a lot of the foundations of most of the the you know larger religions are the same when it comes to forgiveness and love and joy and compassion and kindness and all this stuff a lot of that is is very much you know rooted in in most of the religions I think that we practice as a as a country in particular and no matter which one you subscribe to, just do it. Like, just just do it. Just actually practice it. Because uh, my faith tells me that most things that I've, I've endured, and that's everything from losing everything in the recession to holding my first child until he took his last breath after five hours on this earth, to trials and ups and downs that I've been through with my husband and different family members and I've been through a lot of things. Thank God I don't look like what I've been through. But it's my faith that keeps making me say, you know what? You got to push through and look for the lesson or the blessing. Because this didn't happen to you. It happened for you. If you believe this happened for you, look for what the four was. (laughs) Like, look for it. What is the, like, find the gratitude. Fight to find the gratitude in this. But you got to keep going because this is not even about you. Just like you have been so transparent about sharing your story and how that's been a blessing to other people. And it's the very thing that the enemy wanted you to believe that people will judge you and people would shun you for sharing about your mental health, um, you know, challenges and your attempts and all that. You, you, it feels like when you're going through something, like I went through that public bankruptcy, it feels like when you're going through something that the enemy wants you to hide. 
and he wants you to isolate yourself and he wants you to feel like you're on an island all by yourself and nobody else but let me the bible says there's nothing new under the sun you're not the first to have a challenge with a mental health illness like you or, or, or a mental illness. You're not the first to suffer from anxiety. I wasn't the first person to, to file bankruptcy and I won't be the last and you won't be the last. But our, when we are not in our faith, it's really tempting to go hide under the covers, right? It's tempting to be like, let me keep this to myself. This is between me, my mama, you know, the doctor, the bankruptcy attorney, the whomever, like, let me keep this to myself. But the minute that we can embrace our story and know that it is a, it was given to us, it's actually a real gift because it allows us to be a blessing to other people. Just through the transparency of the testimony, we get to be a blessing to other people. And my faith tells me that nothing that I have been through makes me the first or the last. Mm. Nothing I've been through makes me the first or the last. I'm not that special. I am just another person out here living life. And the truth is life happens. And the more we stop acting perfect and like every, and like everybody but us has some perfect life, the more we can embrace what this faith pillar says, which is believe in something greater. There's something greater at work. There's something greater at work. This didn't come to destroy me. This came to make me stronger and make me a, a, a source of help for other people. Even my battle with uh, infertility and, you know, I've shared that on other podcasts because women need to know black women, successful women, women of a certain age, whomever, women need to know that there are other people out there who struggle with the same things you do. And this is how we get through. And this is, and this is what I use to come for myself. What do you do? The only way we could do better is in community. We don't do better by ourselves. That's a lie from the pits of hell. We were born to have connection. And so the faith pillar teaches us that and keeps us moving forward with that, with resilience, knowing that resilience is our birthright. The fifth pillar is about work. It's about living in our purpose. And I am convinced as someone who has helped so many people with financial education and and financial mismanagement, that most people mismanage money, not because they don't know what to do, I think a lot of people mismanage money because they're unfulfilled at what they do day in and day out. And you and I both have the great fortune of being able to do these podcasts that that we're both passionate about. And even if you can't do something like this full time, doing something that really fuels you and, and gives you some level of fulfillment will help so much in terms of your wealth and well-being because when you're not doing anything that makes you feel great and makes you feel alive inside, it creates a void. And with time, that void gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And what the average person does is try to fill it with stuff. They try to fill it with more shoes, more clothes, more gadgets, more toys, bigger house, bigger car. They try to fill it with stuff, whether they can afford to or not. And they think that getting the bigger house or the better car or moving to the new neighborhood or doing this or doing that is going to stop it, but it only grows and grows and grows. What we, what most people experience is a temporary high and then they have to settle into the reality that is still their life. Mm -hmm. And I say that if you find ways 
to work in your purpose? Because some people think that they don't know their gift. They're like, I don't know what my gift is. I don't know what my purpose is. That's probably not true because so many of us, if you think about yourself as a kid, Kia, what were some of the things that you were already excited about and doing that you can see now connect to what you're doing today? A lot. I did pageants, so I was public speaking all the time. Mm -hmm. People always naturally came to me to be a leader for advice or to lead a particular group. It's literally like those skills has transferred over into college and even into being an adult. Of course they have. And you know why? Because those were your gifts all along. Our gifts are always right under our nose. Most people wanted to be you know, dribbling a basketball, you know, when it's not dribbling a basketball or, you know, being able to do some acrobatic situation, we're like, oh, I don't have any gifts. No, your gifts have been right under your nose the whole time. The problem is even people who may have an awareness of their gifts, if they're using it in the wrong ministry, if they're using the right gift in the wrong industry or in the wrong place where people don't appreciate it, then we start to doubt that it's really a gift. And that's also a lie from the pits of hell to throw you off course. But the truth is I've been running my mouth my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get in trouble in kindergarten too for talking too much. Girl, all A's talks too much my whole life. And so it's no wonder that I was holding down a, a radio segment for four years. It's no wonder that I love doing this podcast every week. It's, you see me in person. You see how I do even after I meet people in person, um, like the book signings or picture opportunity after I speak. Don't I talk to everybody? Yep, absolutely. I talk to everybody. I know everybody's business. I know their mama's name, their children's name. I know what their takeaway was. I know where they live, how far they drove. Like, I love to talk. And guess what? Now I get paid to talk. And so now, because I'm in my purpose, I also know my priorities. And what messes people up with this work pillar is when you don't know your purpose, when you're not living in that purpose, your priorities be screwed up. Mm-hmm. Then you just take anything for money. Yeah, you take anything for money. And then we see you out here. One day you selling waist trainers. Next day you in real estate. Next day you doing hair. We don't know. We can't trust you for none of it. You can't sell me nothing, fix nothing. Because you out here chasing money. And that's a money repellent. People who chase money, that's what they're doing. They're forever chasing it. You want to know why you never have any? Because you keep chasing. When if you settle down, and started to just work in your purpose and gave it an opportunity to build into something. See, that that goes back to that faith pillar. Too many people give up before they get to see the manifestation of what they've been working on. Like, you, it takes time to plant seeds. It takes time to plant seeds. And they're doing a lot under that dirt, under that soil. Just because you can't see it, that don't mean nothing's happening. But so many of us give up before our harvest. And then we mad when somebody else is reaping the harvest. Don't be mad you gave up on it. But that working in your purpose is nothing like it. Before I could do what I do full time, I did it volunteering. So don't, don't talk about your job is in the way. Your job is killing your dreams. Your job is the path to your dreams because your job is paying for you to keep a roof over your head until you can get to what you want to do. So don't, don't act like the job is the dream killer. No one has the ability to kill your dreams but you when you stop and when you give up. So girl, I just be going on. <laughs> and the last um, pillar. You know, I get, I get deep into this thing. Okay. And the last pillar is money and money is 
really about attracting the prosperity you desire. But money to me is also about just managing what you have wisely. I really believe that everything that we, you know, that is important with money, the most important aspects of it, you already know. You already know that you should save at least 10%. You've been hearing that since the beginning of your time here on this earth. You've heard it several times at this point, at least. If you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure. You know that you should budget. You know that you should know what's coming in and what's going out right? You know you shouldn't invest in things that you don't understand. You know that you shouldn't co-sign on loans for friends and family members with bad credit because it's a reason they got bad credit. You want your credit to be bad with it? You know that. You know you shouldn't lend money to people who have no desire to pay you back. Stop lending money if you can't afford to just give it, right? Like, you know these things. You just don't do them. And then you want to say, I don't know anything about money. I just told you big mama's rules to life that all of those work. If you would work them. The reason a lot of people struggle with this pillar, though, for me is because they haven't done the work to get fulfilled and really chase purpose and get into the well-being of the first five pillars. Once you feel really good about those, you start to effortlessly do everything in the sixth pillar because you, you just you show up better. You're not worried about what people think about you. Your priorities are in order. You know what your purpose is. You have great relationships that fuel you and don't drain you, right? Your space is a space where it is so cold. You don't care if it's a, a huge house or two-bedroom apartment. You love the space you're in because you've made it feel like home and it's beautiful and it smells good and, and you got good music going and, and you clean it and take care of it so you feel great. When all those things are in order, you don't have a desire just to waste money. You don't. You like for what? To impress who? To go where? Buy? No. <laughs> so those are my six pillars, and I really do hope that you know that it, that it just helps create some clarity because it makes me really sad the way we, especially people of color, struggle in this area and we don't have to as much as we do. And I know that right now we live in a really um, dark climate. And what I love about the pillars is, is it's not just about money and it's not just about finances. It's about your self-care and your just overall well-being. And I think it's so important in a time where society is trying to stress and wear and exhaust the hell out of black people. It just mm. is. Mm. And if we don't disconnect from that foolishness and connect to our higher source and work on what we can do with what we've been given, then we are gonna let them just drain us. And I refuse. I will disconnect from social media and from everything in the outside world. And it's not about, you know, someone say you want us to be a, I think a ostrich and stick our, our head in the sand or whatever this example was. No, but you also have to know when enough is enough for you. Mm -hmm. And personal life is exhausting enough. And then taking on Donald Trump and every other foolish thing on the news is that I can't, I don't have the capacity to. And I think the greatest gift that I could give myself is the permission to not have the capacity to and to know when my grace has run out. Some days I will disconnect from everything at four or five in the afternoon and go to sleep because my grace has run out with the day. Like I have no grace and, and nothing left in the budget to be playing with people. <laughs> so I know when I'm done and it's okay to know when you are done 
and not let people take you further than you want to go? Patrice, all I can say is just thank you a thousand, a million times. I truly appreciate it. I know that people are going to be blessed by listening to this episode. And I was not joking when I say that Patrice is nothing short of of amazing. And so I, you know, I'm just for when I listen to your podcast, I'm often speechless and you always confirm something for me. Like my, my way of thinking has always been, been like this since I was a little girl, as far as I'm doing those things that make you feel fulfilled. And so just thank you for creating, you know, your amazing platform. And so if anyone's interested in connecting with you on social media um, or um, listening to your podcast, the website, can you share all of that information real quick? Yeah, on social media, I'm at Seek Wisdom PCW. Seek Wisdom PCW. That's on Twitter, Instagram. You can plug that into Facebook. Um, and I would love, love, love to know if you heard me here on Fireflies. Um, and you can go to patricewashington.com. And there, there's videos, there's the Redefining Wealth podcast, and more information about me in general and a great way or place to leave comments. Um, to subscribe to the podcast. It's also at Apple Podcasts and pretty much everywhere where people listen to podcasts. <laughs> but those are the best, best ways to connect with me. And I have to thank you so much again. Thank you for your example. Uh, thank you for being a light in the darkness. And thank you for um, just being a champion of what I do as well. And even even the time that you took to come see me when I was live in Annapolis, that meant a lot to me. It was so great. Once you tell me who you were to be able <laughs> to hug you in person and meet you in person. And so, um, you know, anything I can do to support you, but thank you so much for your continued support of my work. I do appreciate it. Okay. So for this week's therapist shout out, it goes to Sadi F. Y'all, I'm really trying not to butcher my sister's name. Sadi F. Safie. I believe that's how you say her name. Sadi F. Safie. She is based in actually Hampton, Virginia, and she has over 30 years of experience. She specializes in actually quite a few. She works with toddlers and preschoolers. She works with children ages 6 to 10. She works with preteens and tweens. Um, ages 11 to 13, and she works with adolescents and teenagers. She works with adults and even elders, 65 and up. Y'all, she works with everybody. And her categories that she actually specializes in, she works with vets, she works with transgender clients, lesbian clients, heterosexual clients, uh, anyone, clients who may be dealing with AIDS or HIV, gay clients, bisexual clients. So if you are in the Hampton, Virginia area, I will be sure to leave the Psychology Today profile for Sadi F. Shifi. I really feel like I'm saying her name wrong, and I'm so sorry, but I want to make sure that y'all check her out because she is really, she has, I'm just looking at her profile, and she is really doing some amazing work. And so if you're based in that the Hampton, Virginia area, and you're looking for a therapist, please feel free to check her out. And I will, again, leave her Psychology Today profile in the show notes so that you can refer back to it. 
right, you all. So for this week's Mind, Body, and Sona segment, I really wanted to encourage us to be mindful of our word choice as it pertains to talking about suicide. So a lot of times when we see um, people die by suicide, we'll see it in their the newspaper or whether it's on the news or social media like people always often use the phrase committed suicide and it was something that I actually used to say and it wasn't until someone brought it to my attention they were like because I had wrote it in one of my speeches and my speeches my one of my speeches was being edited and she was like oh you know you'd may not want to say committed suicide because it could be triggering for people in the audience. And when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, actually, that's very true because it's like we've been conditioned to say committed suicide because we hear all the time. So it's just committed suicide. And we say it without even really thinking about it because, again, we've been conditioned. That's what we we just do without even realizing it. And so I was like, it just really made me think about because when I was in my darkest days of my life and I really wanted to die and I tried to in my life, it wasn't that I was committed to dying. It was that I was sick. I was mentally ill. And so my illness led me to engage in an activity. It was a very unfortunate and harmful activity that could have ended my life. But by God's grace, I'm still here. But for people who maybe they didn't make it and they actually did die, you know, we really don't want to say they committed to something because they were not in the right state of mind. You know, if you've never been to a point in your life where you've actually wanted to die and then you like tried to do it and it's one thing to have it be an unfortunate success is another thing to survive it and have to live with the aftermath of that, you know? And so I just really want us to be mindful and just truly say the person died by suicide because will we say someone who died by cancer, they committed to their death? Will we say someone who um, they have diabetes and they forgot to take their insulin and they eventually died? That's something that uh, Pastor Gibson uh, previous on a previous episode mentioned. And so it's something that I really had to sit with because I started to ask myself, like, why is it that we say committed? With any other death, we don't use the word committed. And so it's like that we it's like we place the blame on the person instead of their illness. But with any other illness or disease, it's because of AIDS, it's because of cancer, it's because of diabetes. But when it comes to maybe, let's say someone's battling with major depression or they have bipolar disorder, like, and they decide to end their life or try to end their life, is they committed to something. And it like really removes the illness and like really puts the blame on the person. And so I have really be I have really been making a conscious effort to not say that. And so it was something I also brought up to a social worker who I was speaking with. And I had said to her, you know, have you thought about not saying a committed suicide? And this is why, you know, and the, the reasons that I just explained. And when I was speaking to her, she said, oh, that's actually 
a really good way of looking at it. I'd never thought about it that way. So, you know, like even professionals still say, you know, still say it. And I'm not pointing the finger and blaming any person, you know, it's just society. That's what people in society have deemed as the phrase to use when it comes to someone dying by suicide. And so for really just this mind, body segment, mind, body and soulness segment, I just want to encourage us to be mindful about the word choice that we use surrounding suicide and let's not blame the person and realize that their actions, their illness led to them engaging in a very unfortunate and harmful activity. Thank you all for listening. And I want to take a moment to thank Patrice for joining us on the podcast today. I told y'all, I don't think I told y'all, but I'm telling y'all now. She is, she's amazing. Like, man, I, when I say I am a avid listener of the Freedom Redefining Wealth podcast, I listen faithfully each week. Like, I don't know how I discovered Patrice. I wind up stumbling upon her podcast and I binge listen to like all the episodes in a couple days and then I've just been hooked and so Patrice is like I love that her uh, podcast is just not talking about money because we know what things like money as far as like credit score and budgeting and like we know about those things but Patrice actually gets to the root of how our behaviors and our thoughts and just things, whether it's trauma, how those things could be affecting our relationship with money. And those are things that people don't really talk about. Those are things people don't um, really think that have to do with your money. But if a person is feeling unfulfilled and they're constantly chasing things, then yeah, that's going to impact their finances. But that's why I love Patrice's perspective, because it has that it has a bit of a, a, a emotional and a mental health component to finances and us actually understanding the psychology or the science behind how our mental health can impact our money. So again, thank you so much, Patrice, for stopping by the podcast. Also, I'm going to be sure to leave Patrice's information in the show notes so y'all can check her podcast out. Show her some support. Let her know that you heard about her from the Fireflies Unite podcast and that I sent you over. I want to thank everyone, you know, just for listening. And I'm really excited. I have some awesome, awesome announcements coming up. I believe I will start making announcements next episode. That is my goal. I cannot wait to share with you all the things that I have been cooking up for y'all. So stay tuned. And as always, I appreciate you for listening. And if you are again new listening to the podcast you can always send topics suggested topics to podcast at fireflyesunite.com you can also if you're looking for advice or suggestions or a therapist and you want to write in all your information your name will remain anonymous and you can send your um for the journal entry segment we still have that but like I said y'all a lot of times people will reach out to me and I will instead of addressing it on the podcast I will just go ahead and respond to their email since sometimes it can be very personal and so but I do get the emails and so like I said we still do have that segment it's just that 
like I said, I've just been responding individually. But as the podcast continues to grow, it will be really hard. So when my email or my inbox is flooded, I just kind of try to lump all of them together and address it on the podcast or I'll create a topic for you all. And so feel free. You can always send me an email. Again, that's podcast at fireflyersunite.com. Shout your therapist out, y'all. There are some amazing therapists. I really want to know about the therapist that you all have been working with, but they got to be good. Don't send me no whack therapist. If y'all not, if you don't like your therapist, then don't send them over here. <laughs> we want to make sure that they're doing, you know, therapists that are doing great work. We want to highlight therapists of color who are really helping move the needle as it pertains to normalizing the conversation about around mental health and normalizing the treatment and that they're just really out here serving the community serving the people who really need it you know marginalized communities and people of color we are really at a we have a, a higher disadvantage or we are at a sorry at a disadvantage because of the things that we have to overcome, racism and systematic oppression. There are so many things that impact our mental health that we don't even realize it. And so I've stated on the podcast before that we're still dealing with the aftermath of slavery, whether you want to admit it or believe it or not, we are. And so I truly enjoy doing this podcast and I thank you all so much for tuning in week after week. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I love social media. Twitter is my favorite, but I'm on all social media, so you can connect with me on there. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. Y'all know I'm always sending y'all positive vibes. You have a blessed week, and I will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health. But please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.